Hello, and welcome to Compelling Conversations, where law meets business. I'm Dara Rosenbaum, a founding partner and attorney at Rosenbaum & Taylor in New York. My own journey has shown me the power of learning from others, whether from their successes or from their failures, and that's what led me to start this show. In each episode, my goal is to have a compelling conversation with a business leader, business owner, or other inspiring person who will share with us their experiences, their advice, and their perspective. I hope you'll learn from them and be inspired by them, just as I'm sure I will. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. My guest today is Joe Palmieri, and I'm not going to do a typical intro with a bio because it would take an hour. Um, but suffice it to say that Joe is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and a very successful one who has, I believe, the ability to see business opportunity where most of us would just, you know, just not notice it. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that makes him really special. And I'm looking forward to a great conversation with him today about his life, his journey, and the things that he's learned along the way. Welcome, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, we're back to a camera here. I may have a little bit of uh, technical problems again, and I'm um, trying to uh, go back to my Good camera here. Let's see. Are we there? There we are. Right there. there you are. <laughs> okay, we're back on. Okay. So, so I, I, apparently, audio visual is not is not one of your uh, not one of your areas of expertise. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm least friendly as possible. I want to go back to an abacus as uh, soon as we can. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So Joe, you, you see that I, I sort of punted on the intro because I figured you'll do a better job than I will. Um, yeah. Who are you? What do you do? Well, you know, I'm a man of many hats, but, uh, you know, mainly I've been, uh, you know, tried to do everything. That's really what I've always done is whatever, whatever works is what we do. Uh, you know, my family background, I came from the, my family was into nurseries, landscaping, uh, tree service. They were very diverse in their industry, which uh, when I broke away, I, you know, they were also involved in real estate and I kind of followed in those footsteps. And when I started my own business uh, in the environmental industry doing uh, tank removal and which led into a whole another branch out into many different things, um, you know, that was a very a great diverse company. And then I got into uh, back into the landscape and nursery side of it with the farm and just many things, um, which many, led many to EnviroGrow right. and the cannabis industry and, yeah. All right, let's try to unpack them. So yeah. the, from, from, the, from the family, it sounds like the entrepreneurial spirits from the family. I think you told me a story once about your grandfather. Yes. So sort of that, my, that, that spirit and the opportunity to do as much as you can really kind of lives in you. It is. Uh, you know, my grandfather, when he came from Italy, had nothing um, and started out digging graves in uh, Willowbrook Cemetery in Westport. And uh, what would happen is he would backfill and clean the sites up and people started realizing how nice of a job he did. And he took the opportunity to go work at some of their houses. And it literally was him with a wheelbarrow walking around Westport with a, you know, a, a push mower that didn't have an engine on it. One of those, you know, mechanical yeah. push lawn mowers and tools and would go work at people's houses which led to Palmieri Landscaping, which then when he had his kids, Palmieri and Sons, which grew into that. And he, again, really what, what I mimic in him is that 
you know, he always saw the opportunity to expand. So you went from, you know, doing the planting to growing the plants to then doing tree work to in the wintertime doing the snow plowing to doing masonry, everything. So I had that really that foundation by the time I entered the business and I was really young. You know, I was, you know, as a kid, I would ride around with those guys and, and watch them. So they were really my my idols and my mentor. So my dad and his uh, two brothers were involved in the business also doing masonry, excavation. Um, you know, what kid doesn't like big dump trucks and chippers and chainsaws and bulldozers? So, you know, I was really drawn into that. Mm-hmm. And is that the first business that you got into after college? Uh, well, I didn't go to college. So when I was in high school, I started a landscaping company because you couldn't go to work during the day. And I hired a bunch of friends to work with me after school. So by my senior year, my little company that I had started became the uh, focus of a work study program. And the kids would come with me and work after school. And I would do these projects until I graduated high school. And then I went to work for my dad and family full time. What were you doing there? I started, I was cutting grass when I was, you know, on the weekends and stuff. And I ended up running the lawn crew going out, cutting, you know, lawns on people's property. And then I moved over into their tree service and I started cutting trees and learning all about that and managed that. And then I grew into doing project work for them and very quickly. And I progressed in that right along as I went, because by the time I was in my uh, 21, 22 years old, I had really had multiple crews out, was running, you know, multiple areas at a time, had really good people around me and developed a great relationship with the people that I had working under me and we were doing all these projects. So it, it helped me develop as a manager. It helped me develop as, you know, and set the stage for me to be able to do this. Simultaneously, I was also uh, taking any money I made. I was always very adamant about saving money and working really hard, putting the money away that I got the money to get involved with real estate. And by the time I was 20, was able to get my first piece of property. So when you say that, you know, we, I was running crews and I was taking down trees, that's office work or that's field work? Field work, right out, right out, you know, elbow to elbow with the guys out in the field. And then I would have to uh, at night come home and account for all that with the, and the billing and do everything, you know, it was really cradle to grave with those projects. You know, we, we took them on from the, we'd go look at them, bid them, bill them, you know, execute them and then collect the money and move on to the next project. So no aspect of the business that you weren't involved in? None, none. My father made sure that I did everything. And, you know, his philosophy really was that, you know, he didn't want to do it for me. He wanted to always teach me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously doing it for you wasn't an office job behind a desk, making phone calls and sending emails. No, I had to be out in the field and, and they still do that. You know, I really, that has been kind of my signature thing is that I'm always out in the field with the guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I've always been impressed with how hands-on you are and how, if there's a snow, you know, there's a snowstorm, you get all excited about doing snow removal and you're, you know, in the truck three o'clock in the morning with a cup of coffee, you know, clearing snow. Remember the kid I told you about? He never left. You know, I, I now have, you know, I, I get so excited. I'm, I'm running those one of those big wheel loaders. I'm out in that, you know, pushing snow. And I'm like a, a big kid in the sandbox, you know, that just that never left. So the kid who loved big machinery is still in, is still inside you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Alive and very well. I still, yeah. every time I, you know, go by, I, I, I couldn't tell you what make model car. I, I can't even tell you what car I own. I have a, I couldn't even tell you the model. I have a car in my driveway. I couldn't even tell you what model it is, but I could tell you every truck machine I drive by the highway. I could tell you the number of it, what size it is. So yeah. How to operate it. How to, oh yeah. How to operate all of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got up to the landscaping company. You've you've kind of grown you've kind of grown the business at that point. And you're running crews. What happens next? So you know, in that I saw the uh, the growth potential of the business, and I really wanted to uh, push because here I am coming out of high school. You know, it was I knew early on I didn't want to go to college. I knew probably by my sophomore or junior year. My father knew also. Uh, we didn't talk about it as much, but my mother was very adamant that I go to college. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a really good uh, guidance counselor and a group of teachers around me that really told my parents in a meeting that, you know, don't waste uh, his time and don't waste your money. Mm -hmm. And uh, they knew that I was going to do well with whatever I did, but they knew college wasn't for me. And, and I didn't want it either. So when I hit the ground, when I tell you, I, I mean, I hit the ground running. I graduated. I was 17 and turned 18 in August. Uh, that fall, I moved out of my parents' house, got an apartment. You know, I wanted to really, if I wasn't going to college, I wasn't staying at home. I was getting right out there and, and doing life. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that really ties back to that that drive and, and really pushing. And I go back to my family and I see this growth potential. And I'm like, hey, we're, we're going to buy machines and we're going to do this and we're going to push into these new areas. And my dad and his brothers at that time, his brothers are like, mm, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we're, we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. We're going to, you know, and they were at a point in their life where they were playing the back end of the career. They were starting to slow down. Mm -hmm. And here I am. I come in like the Tasmanian devil. And I want to just, you know, anytime, you know, it was like, oh, it shined. I went after it, you know, and I would do that. So, you know, it became a, a conflict with my uncles and, at one point, they said, you know, if you want to do this, do what you want to do. You can do it. But just don't do it here. And it opened the door for me to do something else. Um, at the same time, I was part of the volunteer fire department. I became a, a volunteer fireman in, uh, geez, uh, 90 or 1991, 1990. And that had opened my eyes to so many other avenues to great people. I got to work with, with all this experience around me. So, you know, you had all that knowledge and everything my family wanted me to get and anything that slipped by, you know, kind of bounced off the guys in the firehouse and came back to me. And it was really, I was in this, you know, uh, between these borders here and everything just kind of kept the message just kept going to me on what to do and how to improve on how to better do things. So uh, they were, an opportunity had came up that I was at an annual meeting at the firehouse and these regulators were complaining about uh, tank removal and how the companies were doing it and they all had to get into it. So I said, geez, you know, here's an opportunity that I could get a backhoe, I could get a new truck, I could get all this stuff and go into this business of removing oil tanks and still work with my father on the side because my dad and I were best friends, brothers, he was my mentor, my idol. You know, we were we were so close that to not work with my dad, just, you know, my dad was part of everything. That's beautiful. So I I went out and started doing this tank removal and I have cousins that were in the business and they're like, oh, you're crazy for leaving. Six months from now, you're going to be back and, and they may not have you. And I said, well, all right, well, we're going to try it. 
Uh, six months, I survived. The next year, I tied the part of the company that I was part of. The year later after that, I tied the revenues of their whole company. And within two years, I became their biggest customer. So I was going in and doing all these big remediation projects and bringing them in to do all the uh, repair work and, and restoration of these projects. So you, so you were then hiring your father and your uncles? My father and my uncles, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Now, you make it sound so easy. Is it Was it just kind of, you know, hard work and it was pretty linear or were there bumps along the way? It, it was. You know, I, I, I always said, you know, uh, people are like, you know, oh, you're, you know, when the, it, it goes up, my it makes my skin when people say you're lucky. Luck, I, I guess you could believe in luck a little bit. Better to be lucky than good in some aspects with certain things. But if you're not grinding and you're not scrapping and you're not fighting and working hard, I, I just, everybody I talk to, I go, there is no success without hard work. If you're not committed and driven to it, you're just not going to make it. You know, you're, you won't have that opportunity to be lucky. You yeah. know, if you're not there and you're not present and you're not grinding, you're going to miss out. Right. If you're not at the volunteer firehouse, listening to somebody who calls all night, not sleep, go to work for my dad the next day and go sleep that next night. And I, and to this day, I still miss nights of sleep when I'm out snow plowing or if I'm out doing a, a big spill cleanup or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, and I was always, uh, my body was conditioned and I was conditioned for doing that, you know, for going out and driving and pushing. Mm -hmm. So you were present for all these things and, you know, you have to see opportunity. And did you know how to do tank removal or is that something that you learned? Oh no, that was, uh, so, you know, the excavation part of it, running machines, I knew how to do that from all running machines with my family. Uh, restoring the area and doing that. That was the landscape side of it. The uh, uh, handling of the environmental side of it, I got that from the hazmat side on the fire department. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we knew about how to cut metal, how to do these things without having a fire, creating an explosion or a fire, metering, all this stuff I got from the fire department. So it was really that first thing that was a culmination of all these life experiences that tied in to, to do one, one thing. So I, I went out and tried to learn from other competitors who wouldn't have, you know, no one wanted to talk to me. I was this little kid and it was like, get away. So I created my own standard operating procedure for doing tank removals and just figured it out and went along. And I hired somebody to go pull a tank for me and bring it back. And it was at my father's house in the driveway. It was a very happy day when he pulled in the driveway. I was like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this out. You know. <laughs> Friends there from the firehouse and, you know, we got a, a, a saw and we're going to cut this tank in your driveway and I uh, hope it all works out well. And, uh, you know, that that was really we did it and it came through and I started documenting what you needed to do and the best practice to do it. And I took that back to those fire marshals that I knew through the fire service and said, hey, if this is how this is done, would you adopt this method? Absolutely. And they started pushing the work to me. So right away, the competitors that I was taking all this work from now and right off the bat, it started to really gain traction. They wanted to know, you know, how are you doing this or what was going on? And they had to come back to me. And I was generous at the time. I did not shut them down. I gave them and helped them. Mm -hmm. And that in turn, they appreciated that. And then we started working together with our competitors. Mm -hmm. How you was know? that? It was, uh, it worked out very well. There were people, some people you'll just never work with and they'll be competitors and they'll hate you and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll never be part of it. Mm -hmm. But one of the, 
one of the big successes that I had with Connecticut Tank CTR was that all of these competitors, we worked with them, we played well in the sandbox with others. Mm-hmm. And that allowed for me to really take the area over. And we really passed everybody out. You know? So when I needed something and a client had a need, uh, if they needed five vacuum trucks, well, I only, only owned one. Mm-hmm. I would show up with five vacuum trucks. Four of them were from my competitors. Mm-hmm. And the clients appreciated my willing to work with everybody. Am I willing to identify that I couldn't do everything, that I needed help? And mm-hmm. that, that's really, you know, I think it was a very strong position to take to say, I don't know. And I need to learn when I was young and got in the business. And, you know, people, you really, they can't go anywhere with that. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I just said, I don't know. I didn't right. get, I'm not lying to you. I'm, you know, telling you that. I don't know, but I know who does, and I'm going to go figure out how to do this, and we're going to take care of whatever is going on. Now, based on the earlier part of the story, my guess is that you were actually doing the tank removals, not orchestrating it from the office. Oh, no, yeah. I was out there cutting holes in the tanks, getting in them with, you know, scoop, scooping oil and sludge and figuring out how a better way to do that. Oh, yeah, I did all of that myself. Um, at the same time, working as a volunteer firefighter at night? At night, and then I would still work for my dad part-time. So it was, you know, because... Oh, okay. All right, so I get 24. How many hours were in your day? <laughs> uh, the same 24 you get. I just didn't sleep as much. And I always say that to people. You know, I, I, I joke around and I say, you know, I'm, I'm 50 now, but I'm really like probably 65 with the age that I've been up. <laughs> Everybody else sleeps eight hours. I, I you know, I'm uh, four is a long night. For, was a long night for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Most nights was, you know, I, two hours, I'd be okay. You know, and could be back and function and, and just keep running. So let's just get a timeline. How old are you when you started Connecticut Tank Removal? 23. Yep. So I worked for my family, started in the real estate business at 20, getting my first piece of property. 23, I start uh, Connecticut Tank Removal. And, uh, you know, by the time I'm 24, 25 years old, I, I'm starting all my own equipment, buying trucks. And, and you know, back then... You know, a dump truck was still a seventy-five, eighty thousand dollar purchase, and that's a pretty scary thing to sign on the line for a note mm-hmm. when you're at that age. And um, you know, if I go by memory, uh, by 1998, I think I had uh, ten trucks and pieces of equipment. And you know, if you average them out to a hundred thousand dollars a piece, and you know, here I am at 27 signing another note. You know, on top of the you know mortgage on the property and uh, my real estate company by uh, I bought a property and every year I started in 96, I bought another one, uh, 97, 98, 99. And it was every year I was picking up another piece of property, be it for the business or for an investment property, like a multifamily homes that I own. And that was really, I learned that from my father. My dad had multiple multifamilies and it always worked. Uh, mm-hmm. When business slowed down. You didn't want to leave your guys not doing anything. We could go work on the houses. So it was always, again, that diversified uh, ability to go out and, you know, do some carpentry work, do work at your property, go out and snow plow, go do tree work, go do whatever you needed to do to keep busy. That's not, I mean, busy is the word that I keep thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, you know, my guys uh, through the industry, and they've said it, all my guys said the key was that there was always 60, 70, 80 hours worth of work that you could do and come into your job and kill it and make a ton of money. You know, my guys found very quickly that they 
working 40 hours was great, but doing 60 at time and, you know, 20 at time and a half and then pick a Sunday up at double time. And, you know, they realized very quickly too. And they, they've been, you know, I've had a lot of success stories come out from underneath me that followed the recipe, have multiple uh, rental properties now have their own thing, but they still stayed employed at the company. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. we froze up again, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm there. So, so the real estate you're the real estate you're buying every year, it sounds like, is that from revenue from the Connecticut Tank or is that from some other source? From Connecticut Tank as well as um, work that I'm, uh, you know, from Connecticut Tank and the revenues generated from the the last house, you know. So the house that I had in uh, uh, Westport, hold on one second here, because see, you can't do too many things at once here. <laughs> That's okay. No, no, believe me, I think you can. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, not with not with uh, technology. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> that, that's the problem. That's let's see here. So are we there? Do this and do that. Back on, so that's fine. There we go. <laughs> so, so okay. so I was, I was so, saying it, yeah. the, the revenue the revenue yeah. to buy the houses is coming from where. And so the first property that I owned as it was going along, I was saving the money from that, saving up to build another, buy another property. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was able to pick up another multifamily in 96. And then the revenue that was coming out of the tank company, when that started to do really well, any money I made from that, I took and I, instead of paying rent to keep my truck somewhere, I bought the piece of property and that's what brought me to Bridgeport in 97. Is uh, late 97, I purchased my first property in Bridgeport that I could park my trucks at and our home was our own. You know, we weren't paying rent anymore. Mm -hmm. And then as I, the business grew, I bought the neighbor's, uh, neighbor had a lot, then I bought his house, bought another neighbor and started expanding out. And in 2002, what really, you know, became a, uh, a real pivotal moment in the company as I was able to buy the facility now that where the company still runs out of, which was an old manufacturing building mm -hmm. around the corner. And uh, you've been to it, it's uh, 60,000 square foot. And I created a giant firehouse for the environment. You know, mm -hmm. we had our offices, our training room, our, uh, we could sleep there at night. You know, I had a bunk room, we had showers there. We had all this stuff for the guys. Every truck was parked inside. So, you know, when it was hot, snowing, raining, whatever, you got in a nice, warm, dry truck and were able to leave. Our fueling was inside. It was really, you know, really made everybody buy into it and really take pride in it and, you know, put us above everybody else. Absolutely. So what, hap what happened with Connecticut Tank? Is that still around? You're still doing that? So that I sold in 2018. Uh, I sold it to a uh, roll-up um, private equity that was uh, looking to put a bunch of companies together and roll them up and sell it. They purchased us. We became part of that group. It's ACV Enviro, who was uh, purchased recently now by uh, Republic. So now I'm uh, part of Republic, which is really cool. Uh, I wasn't going to stay on long, but I found... Um, I enjoy being an employee of these guys and working there. So I still get to see the people that I worked with. I still get to see the clients. I enjoy doing that. It gives me the freedom to go out and play on the machines that I like to do. So I go out and do that. Yep. Um, and also they're, they're my tenants also. So I maintained ownership of all the properties. So they also, they're my tenants. So it's, uh, it, it works out. So you so you got the sale of the business, you get salary and you're getting rent. Yes. Did I miss any components of that? 
No, no. You have some bonuses, uh, you know. It, it and, you're still, and you're still doing what you love to do. Yes. Yep. And I still, when I sold the company, there was a couple facets of it that they didn't want. So the like tree service and the green side doing uh, any type of landscape or site work, they didn't want any of that. So I was able to peel that off and roll that up under Palmieri Farm. So now on the side, I have a tree service and this light excavation company running alongside with my job. Now, I find fascinating what you do with the trees that you remove from you know, storm damage or from someone's property. Tell us about tell them what happens with those. So that that was, you know, you could see behind me here up in the air. Do this right. This uh, these beams in the ceiling came from trees that fell during Hurricane Sandy. Uh, we were brought in. Uh, they couldn't find a tree service that was certified to work around the power company. Well, Connecticut Tank was the power company's. Uh, contractor for doing uh, sp transformer spills and all that. So we were all certified to work around these down power lines and do what we needed to do. So the town hired us and we came in and cleared all the trees that were blocking the roads. So I took the logs and brought them back and we milled the, brought a sawmill in and we mill all the wood and it worked out so well that I continued that to this day. So when my tree service goes out and takes trees down, we look for mill logs and then we bring them back. We saw them up here on the farm and we uh, dry them and use them. I use them to build my house. And uh, recently I have a big project going on in Stanford where they bought all the beams and all the wood for the ceilings and really cool stuff. And they bought all that from you? Yes. Yep. Because so of the tree. Another, another new little business within the business again, yeah. you know, doing selling, running a sawmill and selling, uh, selling this lumber. Been, now, there's tons of things we haven't hit, but we haven't hit Palmieri Farm. So you, you kind of rolled it up into the farm. We, we got, now we've got a farm. Right. So Palmieri Farm, my, my father, unfortunately, he had passed in 2003. Um, so when I lost my dad, um, he was married. My family property went to his wife. She sold it. Um, I didn't buy it. I wasn't interested in getting into the family dynamics of that that was in Fairfield one town over from where I am now in Easton mm -hmm. and Easton reminded me very much of my childhood of what Greenfield Hill was mm -hmm. uh, we were growing up there were hay carts on the road with tractors and you know somebody's cows would get out so yeah you know, I bought a farm up here and I got cows and they got out all the time too so it was really reminiscent of my youth now uh -huh. I'm the one chasing them down the road so I you know, wanted to get married, have a family, do all that. It was like this, this race to it. And I bought this property up here and started Palmieri Farm in 2003. So, you know, it was animals. It was, again, back to what my family was. My grandfather, you know, growing up, they had cows and chickens and all this stuff. So it, it really, I was capturing my youth again by coming up here and wanted to build something that people could enjoy and see and come up here because I, I realized, you know, very uh, early on that a lot of people, my friends, kids didn't know where a tomato came from. What, how the, you know, what it looked like to collect eggs or, you know, how the, how all this stuff works. So I really wanted to make a farm that I could live on as well as interact with. And that was developing over the years slowly and just kept it on the side raised trees, did the animals, did the organics, did stuff like that, some produce, you know, really small farm stand on the road. And it really didn't get a lot of activity in that bucket until I sold CTR and put these other services in it and moved people over there. And now that's been running 
full-time. And that business subs out very regularly to the company I sold to because of the things they don't want to do. I get the first right when they're going to pass on, you know, something they don't do before they hire another subcontractor. I get to, to uh, take a crack at it. So. Okay. So from CTR, you get the sale of the company, you get a salary, you get the rental revenue from the properties that they're using. And they also hire Plumary Farm with the, with the tree service, things like that for work that they need. Yes. It's all, it, all, it all comes together, Joe. It does. It really does. <laughs> all, all ties in. Every, everything goes back and ties in. And they're, they're a great company too. They really are. They, they recognize too what they're good at and they recognize what they, they're not. And they're very good about passing things off and working with people. And it really is reminiscent the way they run the environmental side at this at ACV is similar to what I was doing as well. That mm -hmm. same recipe of working good with people and, you know, get making the guys feel at home. They really take care of their employees. I mean, they they take care of everybody. They do a good job. And I heard something about a, a wedding wedding venue. What <laughs> doing that so, too? Yeah, well, so, you know, the, the background of landscaping and masonry and all the stuff, it, the the farm became my hobby. Uh, we did the property and the grounds came out and it was really, you know, the intent was for me and to be able to share it with people. That's everything that's always been has been to have people over, have guests over, invite people. Uh, during Through the pandemic, I opened the property up to people to come up here who didn't have anywhere to go, lived in apartments or small properties who, you know, wanted their kids to just run free. I would, you know, let them come up here on the farm. Um, well, we froze up again. I can still hear you. Okay. So, uh, you know, people started coming up and uh, everybody started making the comment of how pretty it is and that they would love to get married here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I said, well, that would be great. Um, you know, but I, I'm not a wedding venue or anything like that. And I didn't really understand how that would work. And so it started with my sister having her wedding up here. She was the first one. And since then, I've had two other weddings here. So it's been it worked out really well. So now we may be becoming a wedding venue. So I have a couple weddings booked where people are actually paying to come in here. And the barn behind me that you see up here. Um, I have somebody renting it out for a party. Uh, they have uh, graduation parties up here, and it's really taking uh, on another life of its own that I didn't even realize I would an opportunity that I didn't even see that I would have when I started here. It, it's to me the story is just incredible. From you know, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go do something. You know, I'm going to go do something on my own. And you know, from the family business to your own business to, and it just seems like every opportunity you see you're going to work real hard and take it. Absolutely. And that, I try to share that with kids. You know, right now, I think a uh, uh, frustration that I have is that I see kids that if they're not going to college, they feel that they're not going to be as good as if they went to college. And it makes me crazy. I, you know, really advocate for them that, you know, you don't have to go to college. You really don't. The mm -hmm. trades are out there. There are so many great things out there and great opportunities for people. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to coach and mentor some younger guys that are out there in business. And I've, I've got a friend who uh, is 20, he's going to be 26 this year. And uh, he's got his own tree service. And I think he's knocking on the door of a million dollars in revenue. You know, he's a great guy. And, you know, uh, it's just the opportunity is there. He sees it. He takes it. And I think right now so many kids sell themselves short by not 
taking advantage of that and they they do so because they didn't go to college and that's it, you know for me it's laughable i just think how you know i think of the four years i spent there i would have partied i would have gotten in trouble it would have been it would have been it for me and i'm so, very social i would have loved it i mean it would have you know there would have been epic parties up there but i don't think i would have taken a lot from it <laughs> got it it's an amazing story, Joe. Um, what's something that you've learned along the way that you wish you'd known earlier? Uh, a lot, a lot of separating the uh, uh, or with people, the perception versus reality. I think that's always been been something that you have to really be very mindful in business uh, now. Is that the guys they'll perceive something and it'll become their reality and it'll be a different direction than you want it to go. Uh, that was a hard lesson to learn through later on in the company that I wish I had had that more of a grasp of that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, you, you figure you got your why and you got your direction and everybody's following you. And sometimes people get off the path. So that was definitely something that I feel is, uh, as a business owner, you have to constantly watch what the guys are, how their, what their perception of everything is and, and keep them committed to your path and why you're doing it and share that with them all the time. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it sounds like it comes down to communication. Yeah, absolutely. Communication and probably, you know, being vulnerable in the moments when you're going like, you know what, I don't know, let's figure it out together. And, and that, that was, you know, that was something that I always shared what was going on. You know, um, I, I was married, I got divorced. I, I didn't hide that from my, my office, the people, Anytime I've you know been sick or any day, we were just very open with each other. And and the nature of the business that we did, you know, Connecticut Tank Removal, the environmental of it, CTR, that which it, later the name went from Connecticut Tank Removal to just CTR. Mm -hmm. We were the the primary response contractor for the state of Connecticut, so we were dealing with you know the highway accidents and fatalities, and you know we dealt with a lot of dark calls. So we really that helped bond everybody together. Mm -hmm. And that was the easy thing. So it, for me, I didn't realize it, it pulled everybody in that same direction and we all gelled and went along. As the company got bigger, that's where you had people that would be on the side and could perceive things differently. And I, again, with that hindsight, the communication should have been a little better to some of the people to get that message all the way across. Well, Joe, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, tell everybody where they can contact you, where they can find you, their websites. Okay. So, they can <laughs> so uh, well, for the environmental stuff, ACV Enviro, that's the environmental company. Uh, for Palmieri Farm, we we have a website coming up. Um, you know, that's will be on the Internet probably within the next few months. We're redoing some stuff with that. And, and you're in charge of the of the, uh, the coding for that and everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're better off yelling out your window if I'm doing it. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thank you, Joe. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.